0: Welcome to today's episode of Building Builders, a podcast made for contractors. In this episode, we are joined by Ryan Priestley of Priestley Demolition to talk about some of their current and past work. You'll definitely want to listen to this full episode for all the details.
1: Ryan, it's uh, you know great to have you here. Thanks for joining our Builders Building Builders podcast. I um, uh, have been really looking forward to uh, this chat. Thanks a lot for having me, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Ryan, the team here has put together a list of <laughs> questions to kind of help me guide this uh, conversation, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be right up front. Uh, um, I've got a whole lot of other questions. Uh, hopefully I don't let the team down, but, um, um, I'm, uh, I'm a real fan of your, uh, your, um, Instagram account. Um, oh, okay. you guys have got the most, uh, interesting content, uh, Canadian content uh, out there. Uh, just absolutely love and recommend it to everyone. Nice.
2: We, uh, we have a lady by the name of Connie who takes care of that for us, and she does all of our sort of marketing and stuff like that. So she's uh, she's she's very good at her job. But she's had a big. Uh, you know, we're trying to grow out west in Western Canada. We're trying to grow down south of the border. So, and we're trying to always keep growing here in. In Ontario so it's there's a few fronts to to fight at the same time and she's definitely trying to keep a uh, keep a bit of a plan in place and not just have it like helter-skelter so there is a bit of a plan there believe it or not
1: <laughs> no I, I I bet but like wow yeah such great stuff uh, I'm pretty sure I saw a very large loader going onto to uh, onto a plane I think on on, uh, on your account at one point uh, yeah so many cool projects but um, Yeah, looking forward to maybe talking about a few of them here. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I come from, uh, um, you know, starting and running family businesses and, uh, you know, have uh, a strong respect for uh, family-run businesses. Um, You know, maybe just to dive in here, would would love to hear more about uh, yours, your journey, and uh, the experience with, uh, you know, working with uh, family.
2: Well, it's, I guess my dad started working for himself when he was very young, like 13 years old, probably started cutting grass and stuff like that. So he would make more on a Saturday afternoon or on a on a whole day on a Saturday than he than my grandfather, who was a Toronto policeman at the time, would make in a whole week. So my father's never really had a job. He's only ever worked for himself. He uh, He's always been very entrepreneurial-like and he still continues to this day to be very entrepreneurial-like. So um, obviously growing up alongside my father, I just immediately fell in love with the equipment and, and the guys and stuff like that. And I never wanted to miss a day. I could remember when I was a kid going to a kid's camp and I couldn't wait to get home to see what was going on. And I felt like I had fun at camp, but I missed too much of work. So I was addicted from a very young age. So it was very easy for me to you know, get into the business and start doing it and stuff like that. So I have a twin sister. She was very involved with the business as well she's taken a step back in the last couple of years. She's, uh, she's gone on to do some other things, but she was very involved also. So it was very, very close family for a while there. And then my cousin, Brian is very involved with the business. He's a vice president for us. So he's, uh, he's only a couple of years younger than me. So we grew up together. We're great friends. Uh, Our kids are great friends and we hang out all the time, obviously at work and not at work. So, um, and now we have kids and, nephews and stuff like that coming into the business so that's that's always an exciting time too
1: on the family front <laughs> sorry that uh that's so cool um you know i i've heard so many horror stories and people tell me about these horror stories of working with uh family but you know when it works it really works well right i mean i think uh yeah
2: it's it's hard to uh separate
1: separate business from
2: family sometimes and uh You know, so I've done a little bit of uh, work on trying to keep that sort of aligned. You know, obviously you want to try and support your family and help your family, but at the same token, you don't want to upset the apple cart within the business uh, because of family and so on and so forth. So I think there is a bit of a fine line there. And, you know, just sometimes just open communication helps solve a lot of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's some personalities that are meant for it and some personalities that maybe don't don't suit it right so right. if you're if you're able to get through it then you can and if you're not then you're not that's maybe the easiest way to say it
1: yeah for sure um ryan maybe uh, switching gears a little bit um i wanted to just ask you about uh your um, uh, um toronto pearson airport terminal one job it, it sounds like that was a really transformative uh project for uh for the company um yeah, I'll yeah. hand it back to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, we when we were bidding that job it was probably the biggest job, biggest job that we had ever bid at the time. And back then, when we were bidding those types of projects, was all like longhand. We didn't really use a computer at the time. I had gone through uh, college at the time, and I was uh, I was. Uh, you know, we we're just starting to get, I guess, computerized for estimating and stuff like that. And so, you know, when we were bidding that particular project, it was all longhand, and I remember going through the full scap and the, the printed paper and everything, and we came up with this number in the millions of dollars, and we were just like, "All wow, right, this this seems like a lot," you know. And uh, so, and when we put the bid in, and, and uh, the next morning, I I came in and I said, "Dad, I can hardly sleep awake wink last night. I'm so excited." He said, "So like." i couldn't sleep with a wink either but it wasn't for the same reasons as you (laughs) so and uh anyway we ended up being successful with the bid and then we had to obviously do the project and uh, i basically you know spent the next uh period of my life at living at the airport um, and we brought uh a portion of the of the whole entire company with us, including their service fleet, and we built a little temporary building down there. We serviced our own equipment down there on site, and the rest of the company kind of kept going about their about their business. And uh, anytime they had a machine breakdown, they'd send it to the airport because we we were working right. twelve hour days and mm-hmm. we'd work weekends, and so we just had a little bit more of a open open uh, open door policy than back at the say the home base yard. So. We ended up getting that job done on time and stuff like that, but it was mostly due to long hours and just, uh, you know, putting your head down and grinding it out. It wasn't a whole lot of, we didn't, I mean, we did hire people obviously, but I mean, there wasn't, uh, we didn't have a lot of machines and stuff like that at the time that we could just go and buy and stuff like that. So. And uh, yeah, it was a very successful project for us in the end. And it mostly gave us the confidence to go and start bidding bigger projects. I think that was the big thing that came out of it. You know, we weren't uh, after that, there was no looking back.
1: Yeah. Some of those huge uh, early projects, the big portfolio uh, jobs are um, really more about learning experience. They're not sort of the get rich on the first one. It's uh, uh, it's maturing the company. I I remember I had a few uh, you know, back at our last company, Forestal, where I remember um, there was one where we uh, were diverting a a small river. And I I slept on that job site for about a week. (laughs) I did not want those pumps to go off at nighttime, right? I mean, uh, uh, but the learnings that you get from, you know, those larger scale projects uh, are are super valuable.
2: Yeah. And then we did the Terminal 1 project. We ended up taking it, you know, uh, like top-down method for the top four floors of the parking garage so we could reach it with our high-reach equipment. And then another project came out in downtown Toronto. So we got that project as well. So we basically took that that crew of guys that were doing top-down and we moved them, the, 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 the mini excavators, the skid steers, the men, the post-jacks, the, the whole, the engineer plan basically went to this other project and we just, we did very well at that one also just because again we were very used to it so the learning curve had sort of been done at the first project so a lot of these projects when you get them if you get them like once a year once every couple of years it's something you've done before but it's hard to sort of fault the learning curve early on you know it just takes time sometimes
1: right. you end up building a team that's kind of the resident expert uh in you know that locale right yeah um, it sounds like that's what you're doing um are there any other big jobs that uh, that stand out? Um, you know, I've I've got it written down here Maple Leaf Gardens, Rogers Centre, the the Expressway. I've loved watching the the, the Gardner Expressway work on, on Instagram. Uh, anything else? Uh, uh, stand well, it, it, it,
2: it, yeah, the uh, I mean Maple Leaf Gardens, the inside of that place, but also the the Scotia like the Scotia Bank Arena. It's uh, we took down the old post office there for PCL. Uh, you know, I was still pretty much in college at the time, so I was just graduating at the time when we were finishing up there, but I would come home on the weekends and work there. But that was, again, one of the bigger projects for us. It was one of the... I think it was maybe the second project we had done for PCL at the time, but the same thing. It was like, you know, my father down there almost every Saturday trying to make sure that we were keeping the steam going, you know? Like, it's it, it, it's it's if you say hey do you guys want to work saturday and you know my dad would show up they'd all show up and if my dad didn't show up then only you know 10 out of 20 would show up or something like that so it just seemed like and uh yeah so and we just you know so it's and then from there we just did a lot of those bigger projects the one we just did at Rogers center same thing we uh took out about 20,000 seats and uh they don't want us to sell any of the seats. So of course, but it doesn't say that in the contract, but I'm like, I don't think we should really upset the apple cart here for selling a seat for $50 or $60 or whatever it is. So, you know, sometimes you just got to kind of play the game a little bit, but you know, we've done a lot of, uh, one project we just did was in Attawapascat we did a remote line. So it was fly in, fly out, and we do two weeks on one week off type of thing. So that's where we put like a cat 345 high reach into a Hercules airplane and Timmins and flew it up there. And uh, we're actually just in the midst of getting ready to go back up and haul a bunch of scrap down the ice road. So we've been, uh, sort of well received with the, uh, first nation up there. So the Attawapiskat first nation and, uh, a lot of people that come to work in these communities, sometimes they get along and sometimes they don't, but, uh, The First Nations are pretty, uh, when they don't get along with you, they're pretty vocal about it, I think, you know. So when they do get along, they're also pretty vocal about it. So that's so that's great. We've we've been we did a school up there probably in 2010 ish, 2011. And then we did this mine starting in probably 2020. So we've been working up there the last sort of two, three years. So and that's been uh, that's been really fun and exciting. And now we've got this work going on in the U.S. and work going on out in Western Canada for the first time. Uh, we were just really getting our legs under us out in Western Canada. We we're finally starting to get to a book of business out there where we can actually keep a little more consistent. And uh, same with down in the U.S., just starting to bid more and more and more during the pandemic. It was hard to try and grow the business in the U.S. because just with all the difficulty around the rules of crossing borders and... It, it, isolation, quarantine, pick, pick, pick any of those, vaccination, all the, all that wording, whatever you want to pick. It's just, uh, what are the rules today? You know, it's uh, just been a little bit, so that's starting to finally uh, clear up a little bit for that to, to happen for us. So, uh, so that those are all exciting things as well.
1: <clears throat> What's it like, uh, you know, bidding a job where you have to put an excavator on a plane uh for the first time and then also what's it like actually putting your excavator on a plane for the first time it's got uh, be a pretty weird feeling i know uh so
2: one of the things that we do here is we do a lot of our own um uh, service and repair work here ourselves. so you know as far as dismantling the machine we feel very comfortable doing that ourselves but when the guys came from the airline like the Hercules Airline, they were like, you know, where I was, I was, you know, I was, you like, know, I'm going to come to this meeting myself. I'm very interested. It was like the most low drama meeting ever. The guy's like, we're good with 40,000 pounds. He says, we can take off with 75,000 pounds, but screws start falling out of the fuselage. So we try <laughs> and keep it around 40. And I'm like, okay, that's 40 it is. So uh, <laughs> we're clear, right? And he's like, you just put it on a skin. We roll it in. We roll it out. You don't come on the plane. We don't come off the plane back up, we roll it on, we roll it off. And uh, so we prepared all the equipment properly for the right dimensions and the right weights. And uh, it really went very smoothly, actually. They did two and three trips a day up to the mine site and they brought loads home. So we had sort of prepared uh, loads at both ends uh, for the mine as well. So we brought home some of their equipment and stuff like that. So it worked out great.
1: So on a somewhat similar uh, uh, note, you know, there's, there's some tech involved there. Um, can you speak a little bit to, uh, you know, using tech uh, to, you know, manage fleet and operations? Um, yeah, how you're doing that?
2: Well, so it's I'm I'm definitely not our best tech person here. So, I uh, I'm pretty I guess I'm right at the age of where it's. A little bit hard for me to learn still, I guess, but uh, (laughs) uh, we have uh, software for almost everything here. So we we manage all of our bids through uh, 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 a bidding software, estimating software called B2W. And then we also have the track uh, uh, option for B2W. So all of our work in the field is tracked on a daily basis based on our production rates and so on and so forth. And all the guys' hours are going in through that app. As well, and then we have B2W for service and repair as well. So all of our equipment, when you need a service or repair, you you put it into the app. What you need, and then it gets scheduled from there. Obviously, we still have telephones, so if it's something that's super urgent and an emergency, you can still call and, and, and get someone. But uh, as far as the app goes, just a good way of tracking to try and give us some data on our uptime and downtime and how many how many pieces a day are kind of going down or how many calls a day we get to our shop and stuff like that. And it's a little overwhelming when you get pieces all over the countryside like we have now.
1: So uh, it's really come a long way since bidding uh, the the Pearson Airport in 2004.
2: Well, exactly, and, and back then it was just, you know, some people got a call back and some people did, just depends on how many hours in the day was left at the end of the day, right? So, but now everyone's available, seems like it's almost 24 seven. Some people still turn off their phone, which you gotta respect at the end of the day, but uh, you know, we're almost working around the clock seven days a week. Like definitely there's times when we're we've been working at union station. I think one of our first contracts was 2008 and we've probably done, I'm going to guess like 20 contracts for a dozen different contractors down there. And we're just doing another big contract down there as we speak, but eventually union station will be out of work. I just don't know when that will be Kevin. <laughs> Apparently that's not the case today, but I mean, uh, we've worked in the, in the, on the roof, uh, of the train tracks and we've worked, uh, in the train wells themselves and the platform levels and put in elevators and escalator openings. We've done demolition below the tracks, excavation in the boat, out around the station, stuff like that. And, <clears throat> you know, the only way you're going to try and track how you're doing on those projects is to try and keep your costs in the know on a daily basis. So there's no way that you can forecast what you're going to spend without having some kind of uh, calculator there to help you calculate what the spend is because it's just too, too much. So I do, I do appreciate what the technology brings to our business and I think it allows us to uh, scale the business and I think it allows us to make good decisions within the business. And I feel like there's still a lot of people, contractors out there that are, you know, doing great without it so I I can't blame them for not doing it but uh, you know if you want to scale your business you have have to get on some kind of platform where you can sort of manage your business.
1: So you've kind of just answered my next question I was gonna ask is it more about uh, reducing risk um, or uh, scaling business um, or uh, you know becoming more efficient? Um,
2: Well I think it's about all all three, really, yeah. I mean, the only way you can know where we are on any given day is to go into the software, basically. I mean, you can have a good pulse without it, but, you know, we have people every day that are inputting their data and stuff like that. We're trying to manage 500 people here on any given day, so you're trying to figure out where they're going, what they're doing, and how much time they're spending to get whatever task done. And if you want to make a correction because it's not going well and it could be something we're doing wrong, could be something the client's asking us, something... It's come up and unforeseen or what have you. So the only way you're going to get to the bottom of it if if it can actually get you know communicated up to to someone that can actually have that conversation with the client and um, you know to to manage the kind of volumes we're doing today with the amount of people we have you know you you need some kind of software you know that you can run a great business with 25 50 people you know the front seat of your truck and and do a pretty good job but actually it's not that bad to keep it handle on for the most part but once you get over 100 excavators you get over 50 skid steers and you got tractor trailers driving around all over the place it's it can be a little bit much to manage for any
1: one person on a cell phone yeah a cell phone on a whiteboard it's a little much right
0: this podcast is sponsored by dozer an online marketplace for heavy equipment rentals across north america partnering with thousands of rental houses, Dozer provides contractors with access to local suppliers, transparent pricing, mobile ordering, and an industry-leading payment option of 0% interest for 60 days. Go to dozer.com to find your next heavy equipment rental. That's D-O-Z-R.com.
1: Tell me about, uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about uh, sustainability. Um, it's not, you know, you guys are kind of known for uh, sustainability and i'd like to learn more about your your approach um. well it's
2: uh it's you know to to be in the demolition business in the gta you almost have to be somewhat sustainable you have to recycle a certain amount if you just take down a building and put it in the truck and take it to the landfill you probably won't last long uh the cost of landfilling in the gta has always been one of the highest it's uh it's been so it's uh, you can't compare it to doing work in other places sometimes because of it. So uh, my other thing with sustainability is we have a yard that we still sell used goods out of. Like, if you're taking down a house, for example, and on the side of that house is like a two-year-old air conditioner, you can grab it like this and chuck it in the back of the bin, but what good is that really doing? You know, that, that, that thing has life left in it. And my thing is, is you know, the, the yard should always have inventory once we have a certain amount of volume of, of, of stuff. And then, you know, you get nostalgic stuff. Like in my office, I have two seats from Maple Leaf Gardens and two seats from Roger Center and two seats from whatever you want to a whole bunch of other places, right? But I mean, like that's, that's, that's more nostalgic than sustainable. But uh, even like SM insulation, sometimes we'll take a roof by hand save the SM insulation, bring it back to our yard, and we sell every piece of it.
1: Really? Because wow.
2: SM insulation really doesn't go bad. Wow. Like if you have a piece that's of SM insulation that's 20 years old, it hasn't lost. It's our value. It hasn't, you know, if you want to use it to bury a barrier foundation or something like that to, to insulate a foundation wall or something like that, it's you can buy it for half the money and it still does the same job. So, and then the steel beams, steel stairs, some of the old, uh, you know, chairs and desks and stuff like that. I mean, some of it's still good. It's not all good, but some of it's still good. So, we try and pick and choose what to bring back to our yard. We really have a confidence level that we can sell. You know, it's not just a matter of filling up the yard. So, but we've done a pretty good job of that in the last couple of years trying to whittle that down. And, you know, we've always crushed our own concrete on site. And now we have probably five crushers crushing so we, we do custom crushing as well. Um, and we have our own scrap yard, so we try and bring our scrap back to our yard if, if it's a mixed load, so we can try and sort it and segregate it and basically upsell it once it's separated. And we do the same thing with a lot of our non-ferrous. So we'll bring some of our non-ferrous back to the yard and we'll sort it, separate it, clean it, and uh, upsell it for the highest money. And uh so that's that's all all part and part of it. Now we're starting to get into some bigger discussions on like I was just at a conference in Austria, uh Vienna, Austria. And the company over there did a presentation and they calculated their carbon footprint as a demolition slash excavation company. And they switched their diesel fuel to like a like a like a biofuel. And uh their carbon footprint went down by like 92%. So, I mean, I, I, I dare to ask someone in our office to just, can you start working on our carbon footprint calculation? <laughs> you know, but uh, I think as a company that you need to start doing that sooner than later and then do it the next year and just see if, even if you improve by even 1%, I think that that's good. Like, obviously, you'd want to improve by as much as you can, but at the same token, I think if you could actually make an improvement in your carbon footprint, you're winning. Um, so that's that's uh, just an interesting concept, but that's how you look at it from a high level, I think, to a certain degree, and I think that that's where it's going to move to. Certain clients are going to actually start asking you these kinds of questions, like, what is your carbon footprint? and I mean, if somebody was to ask us that today, I think the answer would be, we'd have to get back to you on that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, so it's, it's, it's all that. And I think the big thing is too, is just, uh, employee retention. I think the more people you can keep around a longer period of time, I think it actually ends up being a more sustainable way to run your business. you know i think the turnover is 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 hard on on any business but you know at the end of the day it's if you're driving a truck somewhere and you and you're happy driving a truck here i think that's great and you should drive a truck here for a long period of time I'm not saying it has to be forever but don't come here for three months or six months and then go there for three months or six months like you should stick it out for a few years no matter where you go and, and give it a chance in my opinion and but uh there's just a lot of uh, I guess it's a turbulent labor market right now so is maybe a, a fair way of saying it, right? So there's just a, a sure. shortage of people and uh, stuff like that. So,
1: so how um, on that note, how, how do you use uh, company culture to attract, retain, uh, you know, great employees, keep them on for more than three months, multiple years, uh, a career, you know, and, and how does safety uh, come into that company culture?
2: so i mean it's it's all it's 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 the full package for sure i think there's some of the uh younger folks are asking different questions now than they've asked previously like again what what is your esg or what is your you know what would be my career plan here and so on and so forth so i think having uh a strong culture is based on having the ability to make all those questions answerable in one way or another. Um, safety, obviously, is right at the forefront of all of it. I mean, I don't think anyone's looking today to be unsafe. Uh, I, you know, that I think that that ship has sailed. You know, there's growing up. It was like, oh my God, are we really going to to start using these safety harnesses? And now I think it's all right, well, let me go get my harness, I'll be right back, you know? So I think that that, that it just takes some time for some of it to sort of set in. But, uh, you know, here, for instance, at Priestess, I think that we have a great safety culture. I think we have a great human culture uh, within the organization. And, you know, some of our values and some of that is family. You know, I think you want to try and treat people the way you'd want to be treated. I think that that's super important. And, uh, you know, it's just hard to keep as you keep growing. To keep it consistent right so it's uh you just over over time you just get uh bigger and bigger and trying to keep those those pillars alive our social media you spoke to our instagram yep. i mean we use that for a retention or a uh trying to find people high, high performers but also trying to retain people right so i think you want to try and tell the story to someone who works in a part of the operation doesn't see how we take down a bridge on a Saturday night or how we take down uh, the inside of Union station and so on and so forth
1: yeah you um, you're you're using it to celebrate the work uh, you know of the of the team right to showcase <coughs> some of this amazing work that's often done after hours and you know people can then share that uh, you know that account and say, "Hey, that, I was on that job. <laughs> That's me in the picture." You know. Well, and so I think really cool too it's, stuff,
2: the, right? it's it's you know the, the the people who are actually doing the work. You know, sometimes they don't even really realize how, what they're how well they're doing it or getting right. recognized for it too, right? So it's 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 the people that are doing the back of house work to make the work happen. The people that are actually making the work happen out on site to to be recognized and <clears throat> you know you you get you get the odd person walk through the door here and says, I want to I run a machine, I want to run a high reacher, I want to run a machine on a bridge demolition one day, well, it's right. to start somewhere, I might as well start right here.
1: Um, <clears throat> so, talking about the next generation, you know, kind of coming in, um, interviewing, uh, you know, joining the company, um, my first question there, I'm curious, do they do they ask about safety up front? Is it like a two-way interview? Has it come that way? Uh, that far?
2: We're seeing more and more of it for sure. You know, people are uh, saying they're going to apply a few places and they'll let us know if they're interested type of thing, which is kind of interesting. Like you say, it's not like they're, uh, you know, looking at one option. Um, Whereas I think probably more like 10 years ago, like I remember we had one guy that followed us on YouTube and he lived in Saskatchewan and him and his wife moved to just like, he actually drove by our office on the way to his house and he had no idea that he was going to be that close to our office where he was moving to, moving from Saskatchewan to Ontario. And he came in, he sat in the lobby, he basically said, I'm not leaving until I speak to someone that's going to hire me. I know you <laughs> guys are going to hire me. So, you know, that was a little different type of application for sure, right? So, and he still works here today. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so, the, you know, sometimes you find someone. Like that, that's just very passionate about the industry as a whole, and you know, very comfortable with what they see with the, uh, the social media and so on and so forth. And they've made up their mind. This is where they want to be, which is fantastic.
1: Do you have any uh, advice for those uh, you know on their way up, that just starting their con- uh, career in uh, construction and demolition?
2: I honestly, I don't think you can underestimate the value with being a few minutes early every day. And uh, being willing to stay a little late, like, I mean, nobody really wants to work any more than they have to, like, that's human nature, I get that part of it, but in this industry, it's like, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow, if we stay an extra hour, we can get this done, and it would put us uh, in a better position for when it rains tomorrow, and I just, I don't think you can really uh, underestimate the value of that. So just being a little right. bit of flexible <clears throat> and uh, like we do a lot of work like all over the place in our organization. So we don't just work in say Aurora, new market area. Like you're not coming to work in a landscaper that does, you know, they work within a 20 minute drive. We, uh, we work all over the place. So some people really enjoy the travel and are really up for the challenge. But uh, the, the other thing with the, with I feel like uh some of the young folks is, is just to take it all in. You know, I feel like they really, uh, they feel like they, they, they've they learned what they've learned and they know what they know and they're very comfortable with that. But, uh, you know, I just feel like, you know, I don't care where you did your learning, you're, you're 25 years old, there's just like, I feel like I'm just getting going, you know, right. I'm, and I'm 25 years later than that, so when they have this sort of, uh, outlook, like it's, it's, you know, we've, we've, we've done our learning and now it's just a matter of me, you know, doing my career. It's, it's, uh, the learning never stops in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that, but.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm a real, uh, uh um, uh I don't know what's the word uh, I I encourage um continuous learning right I mean, yeah. I come from a family of educators um I, I have a healthy respect for uh education and uh and, and just in general continuous learning They're, yeah we're gonna learn right until our last day um and you know we can't assume that we we know everything I certainly don't um, you know the it, I've I've made an interesting career transition from, you know, being out in the field in construction and you know coming into uh, a construction co- tech company as a non-technical founder. Um, I learn every single day, right? I yeah. was learning when I was out in the field, but you know, uh, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but you know, hiring people that are smarter than you. That's what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> everyone is, you know, in their own way. Right, pretty good, and, and isn't, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, right? I, I learned from all of them, right? And uh, we're all kind of learning from each other. So, no, I, I completely agree. I also like the the note that you had about the um, uh, showing up a few minutes early and, and you know, you know, maybe not every day, but there's times where hey, it's going to rain tomorrow. Working that extra hour is, is going to be so, so important to, you know, the team, to the company. And I, I think that, uh, you know, kind of having that, that outlook on, you know, being a part of the company rather than, you know, working the nine to five and uh, putting in hours, but actually being a part of it and caring and wanting to get the job done. And, you know, that, that has a direct impact on what the company can do for you in the future. Right. I mean, uh, a really successful project means there's going to be more room for, for raises and, and growth and all kinds of different things. So.
2: I saw one guy this summer and he, he had a big hole in his work boots. I said, you have a big hole in your work boots. Your feet are the only thing that only you can take care of. Like, right. You, you, nobody here can tell you you need new work boots. You need to look at your boots and tell you need new work boots. Like you're getting paid a boot allowance. Like you have money for work boots, go and get yourself a new pair of work boots. Like this is not, these, these work boots are what's going to make you. Well, then I see him week there he forgets his work boots.
1: <laughs>
2: so he's got a pair of running shoes on. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I forgot my work boots. So how'd you forget your work boots? You're, you're 20 years old for crying a I, I, I have never, ever in my life, forgotten my work boots. Like I, I, I wake up in the morning, I, I go to my, I sit down on the bench at my house, I put on a pair of work boots and I walk out the door and when I come home at night, I, I take off my work boots. Like I just, how do you, you know, uh, how do you even get out the door without your work boots on? But again, it's just, it's just a different time, right? And uh, they're looking at you like you're almost, being unreasonable right it's like well i am just suggesting, like you see the guy in that machine over there he's been working here 30 years asking him how many times this guy's work with, because it's probably not even once or even being late you know uh i was asking uh, one of the like my father-in-law was saying to him like because you worked for ontario hydro and ontario hydro i think you know it's a very regimented sort of uh corporate place you know it's uh especially in the day right back in the 70s and 80s and some like of that hard to get in i asked ask him, how many times are you late? He's like twice, once in a snowstorm and once I got a flat tire.
1: How long has you worked there?
2: 40 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not even, you weren't even late. Nobody even noticed, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, think, he's, uh, whereas today, everybody's late. Oh, I'm late all the time too, so I, 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 I'm not very good for that, but I just uh, I try and make up for it, I guess. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know, me too. I, I always, I, I, I've got to get better at not running meetings long and <laughs> starting yeah. the next one late. right? Uh, it's kind of the curse of uh, sort of this virtual work environment where you can be ultra efficient and stay on Zoom meetings and not have a minute in between them. And if one goes over, the next one's late. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, different topic there. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, uh, Ryan, as a construction uh, tech company or a construction company, we always like to ask uh, um, you know our guests if they have a favorite piece of uh, equipment.
2: Well, I think you know um, I, I I don't know if I have a favorite piece of equipment, but certainly we bought our first high reach in like 1993, and I think I pretty much fell in love with you know a piece of high reach equipment. And we're buying, uh, we have probably 13 high reaches now. And so we're trying to bolster our fleet with high reaches to be able to do that type of work. I think it's the safest way to do uh, a building uh, versus top down method. And uh, the latest high reach we bought has a oil quick right on the boom. So you can take off the high reach boom with the oil quick, uh, quick coupler and put on a regular boom. And so the concept there is just obviously being more efficient time-wise, but also safety, you know, you're not pushing and pulling pins. And like on a day like today, it's freezing rain. that the guys are out there having to put that boom on today, obviously having an oil quick system would be, you know, well, you, you couldn't even do it. You wouldn't be out there in the freezing rain trying to do it. Right. So, um, it's, uh, it's just safer. You don't spill any oil. Um, and if you want to put the regular boom on to do some work and switch back and forth in a day, it's it's not it's not the end of the world. It's, it's relatively easy. You can do it five ten 10 minutes and away you go. So, you know, it's about uh, being less machines on the job. You know, a lot of times we have a support machine with a higher reach, no matter what, even if there's not a whole lot for the support machine to do, well, in this particular case, probably you won't need that support machine as much for sure. Um, until a certain portion of the job where you start to do the secondary work of processing the concrete and steel and so on.
1: Love it! Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds probably awesome high reach. The, uh, I guess high reach. Yeah, well, you said high reach, but I think uh, you know the uh, the attachment or the tech on the high reach is almost you know the, the second and maybe most important answer. Uh, yeah, absolutely love that. They, man equipment has just come such a long ways in the last 15 20 years uh, that, uh, that that's a that's a great example um, so Ryan i want to thank you for being on our on our podcast uh, on building builders podcast it's been really really awesome uh chatting with you and uh, you know before we uh, wrap up is there uh, a way that uh, our viewers can uh, you know get in touch with you or you know follow and see some of the work that you're doing
2: Yeah, you can check out our website at uh, www.priestly.ca, and you can check out our Instagram at Priest Demolition Incorporated. And uh, I believe we have other accounts like Facebook and um, Twitter, etc., but I I personally don't have a Facebook account. I only have an Instagram account, and uh, my email is rpriestly at priesthood.ca, so... I'm always available too. I'm not the best at reading my email, just because I seem to get a lot. So I, I do yeah. get to them eventually. But uh, <laughs> if you're looking for a thirty-second response, you should probably email someone else within the organization. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah. Thanks. It's been great. Really appreciate it. Again, thanks, Ryan. And uh, hopefully, we can uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll catch up with you in uh, in Vegas.
2: Thank you very much, Kevin. Always a pleasure. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building Builders Podcast. For more content, you can follow us on social media or watch all of our episodes on YouTube. We also ask that you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All links are provided in the description of this podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode.